Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Our Foundations podcast. My name is Joshua, and today's episode will be on the life of Joseph from the book of Genesis in the Bible. So, we are in the middle of season five, near the beginning actually, and trying to go through the biblical account, starting with the Old Testament and going roughly chronologically, and trying to figure out what the theology of obedience is. And this would be obedience to God and obedience to the governing authorities. What is the relationship between the Christian and the state? How should a Christian live in a corrupt culture? These types of things, because that's just the situation we're in. And so we are looking at the Bible, we're looking at Scripture to try to figure out uh, how we should act in these situations. And I'm trying to pick out sections and passages and stories that seem to actually address these things about uh, the relationship between a Christian and the government, or about what God says about law and order, and these types of things. So, uh, coming up to where we are today, it comes to Joseph as the next example, the next story that does cover these subjects. And it is one that, like a few of these, on first glance, it might seem to support the idea that we should join the government and make it better. That is a stance that many have, especially many Christians. And I would uh, have to go against the statist argument and say that we should not join a corrupted institution unless directly told to by God. Or uh, I guess we'll get into this story and the nuance of that in the story of Joseph. So that's what I want to do today. This will be a fairly short episode because uh, the principles and the key concepts are fairly short, but the next episode will be on Mosaic Law, and that one will not be so short. So uh, you can look forward to that. But this one should be a very digestible episode and very short. So let's start off with Joseph. The story of Joseph can be found in Genesis chapters 37 through 50, and the brief version of the statist argument from this story is that Joseph was a government official. He was loyal to God and blessed by God. Since he got to be a government official through circumstances facilitated by the kindness and grace of God's direct intervention, can we say that God is supportive of us as individuals holding governmental positions of power? That's the question. And uh, that would be the perspective that most statist Christians would have. And the answer would be, uh, yes, of course, we should join the government, try to do good things and that kind of thing. The simplest counterpoint to this is to refer again to the difference between submission and support. That's one that I really focus on because we are told to submit Uh, we are not told to support. And on the contrary, we are specifically told not to have anything to do with evil, not to have anything to do with the adversary or his dominion, not to have anything to do with corruption. These types of things should not be a part of us. And so that if you at least are under a corrupted government or state or emperor or king, and uh, the argument would likely be that they all are, then there's no way that you could biblically back up a stance of supporting that. But at the same time, again, theology of obedience, you should be submissive to that. You should submit to those governing authorities. So uh, we've got to parse out that difference there. 
Now, Joseph was told by the Pharaoh that he would be a government official, second only to himself. This was after Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream, told him about what was going to happen. Pharaoh recognized that, uh, I think he specifically says that the spirit of God is in this man. And is there anyone better that we could find? And he decides, no, there is not. Joseph is the best one to fulfill what needs to be done, and I will put him in charge. And so Pharaoh commanded Joseph to be in charge of the kingdom. Joseph accepted this command in correct submission. Again, if we are to submit to the governing authorities, then if they tell us to do something, we submit to that thing. But again, that makes it really hard. How do you submit to being a government official without supporting that government itself? It's kind of a tough place to be. And so this is where Joseph does find himself, though. Consider the difference here, though. Joseph, following a ruler's commands, when it doesn't cause him to directly act against God, is not the same as if Joseph sought the position. In fact, there is no example that I've found, at least, of the latter hypothetical situation occurring with the blessing of God, of someone seeking this political position or government position that is a Christian and is blessed by God. Uh, That just doesn't seem to really apply. We will briefly cover David and Daniel later for further investigation into prominent biblical rulers, and uh, some might argue that they would be examples of this, and again, we'll get there. While we could argue that God did not seem to reject or oppose Joseph's role as a government official, and it even happened as a result of God's direct action, the most we could then confirm from this particular example is that a believer— is allowed to or possibly expected to accept a government position if offered. So if there is an offered, might even not be the correct word here, it could be that, uh, that we are allowed to or expected to accept a government position if commanded to. And that's kind of the way this story goes, at least. So let's stick with that. If we are trying to see what we can infer from this specific example of Joseph's story. He was told, you will have this position. And Joseph said, okay. And that was that. And so you might be able to infer that this is an acceptable choice to make. Now, you could even argue that he made the wrong choice, and that's not an argument I'm going to make here. But uh, I, I think that it would at least, at the very least, Uh, have to be drawn from this that it is okay to accept a government position if you are told to by that government. Now, what you do with that and what that looks like, uh, that can vary a lot. And again, what you cannot draw from this story is that we should seek a government position. That is not here at all in the least. It's not touched on. So that is not something we can get out of this. The pattern of Joseph's actions leading to his leadership role are also based on submission. When he was sold as a slave, he didn't rebel or reject the position, but rather submitted and fulfilled what was asked of him to the best of his abilities until it was asked of him to act directly in rebellion of God's law. That would be the situation with Potiphar's wife. He did reject that. Other than that, he submitted in that role. Now, is slavery something that God wants of us? No. 
I do not believe that that is true in the least. And uh, we're not doing a study on slavery, so I won't get into details on that. But I I think that uh, most of us can see that pretty clearly and plainly without having to be explained. So even though slavery is not what God wants of us, and God does not support humans being enslaved by other humans, and we'll talk about Mosaic Law next week, so this might come up again. Uh, But in general, slavery is not a good thing in God's eyes. However, Joseph did submit to this. He did fulfill that role to the best of his abilities and only rebelled when it was a direct contradiction with God's law, because he would not rebel against God. Again, the theology of obedience is that you obey God above all else, and you submit to governing authorities in that secondary position. So he submitted to the authorities over him, whether legitimate or not, depending on how you look at slavery, and he did that. He submitted to that until his overall obedience and submission to God was in contradiction to his submission and obedience to his authorities. So when Joseph was in jail, Joseph didn't complain. He didn't reject his status in any way, but rather submitted and lived in such a way that garnered him support from even the jailer. The jailer was a, uh, I guess friend might not be the correct word here, but uh, was definitely sympathetic and was positive towards Joseph. He had a positive opinion of him as an inmate even though, again, prison is not something we'll talk about in Mosaic Law because it's not there. (laughs) Imprisoning people is not in Mosaic Law. So to say God wants people to be thrown in jail, uh, that's really hard to argue biblically because it doesn't exist. So um, even so, again, even though he's in this position that we can't back up biblically, that we can't say that, oh, God wants people to be thrown in jail in this situation in a cage. We can't say that. But even so, Joseph submitted, and he uh, played that role to the best of his abilities. He garnered support by doing so, and that's what he did. So when Pharaoh later puts Joseph in a governmental position, it should be no surprise that he submits and performs the job to the best of his abilities. Again, it's this pattern. This doesn't confirm that ruling over other men is according to God's desires any more than that slavery or unjust imprisonment are according to his desires. None of these are according to God's desires. None of these are backed up biblically or by God's principles or by Mosaic law. None of them do. What it instead does is it instead follows God's pattern of using governments, institutions, cultural practices, and everything else humanity has as tools to accomplish his will. Regardless, and seemingly majoritively, when these systems are distinctly outside of his ideal. And we'll look at that later on. Again, we're going chronologically. So once we get to, I guess, the kings of Israel... I believe that's when, maybe after that, maybe after Daniel, I guess, we'll talk about God's use of other nations. And uh, this is something that uh, there's a lot to get into here, and it does shed even more light from a different perspective. But the point is that God uses these things. He acts within these things, and Christians are at times involved in these things. But these are not God's ideal. And 
when a Christian is found to be in this position of being imprisoned. Uh, You can look at Paul or Ignatius or many other examples, or when a Christian is in a position where uh, they're put in a role of authority, and they are put in this position of making decisions that could be argued to be ruling over other people to an extent that they should submit in all of these situations. And God will and can use these positions and these situations to his benefit and to benefit his kingdom. So uh, keep that in mind. Now, another way to view this situation is to look at the long-term results. Joseph was the second in command of one of the greatest empires in the world. He brought his whole family, the beginning of God's elect, into what would seem to be an ideal environment with power, wealth, land, governmental support, the works. The result, however, was to build jealousy, concern, and management from the state, culminating in subjecting all of Joseph's kin to slavery. This result is again used by God to accomplish his will and direct history from a macro perspective, but as stated earlier, God using slavery and directly putting some into slavery or a believer submitting to slavery is in no way God supporting slavery. There's a difference between submission and support. God using the offspring of multiple wives to spawn the nation of Israel is not the same as God desiring men to be polygamous as his ideal. Two different things. To use this style of argument is contradictory to the rest of Scripture and God's principles, as clearly laid out elsewhere. And so that is the key to draw from all of this with this story of Joseph and these different things that are touched upon here. It's that Joseph did submit. He did fulfill that role of being a ruler of some kind over Egypt, and he did a good job, and God blessed him, and God worked through him. However, there is no connection between that and saying that God wants Christians to be in that role. This is a story of a person that followed God in that role. That doesn't mean that we should all mimic that just like uh, Paul going to prison or all the martyrs that have come before us. Uh, We can have those stories, and those stories are in Scripture. That doesn't mean that God wants us to do them. He He doesn't want all of his people to be unjustly imprisoned or to be martyred or to be slaves or any of these things. Any more than, I would argue, he wants us to be part of our corrupt governments. That's just not biblical. And so... Uh, What we do have to be careful not to do, though, is to say that, oh, if someone is in a role or somehow involved in a government or a corrupt system of some kind, then they're disobeying God. And that is not necessarily true either. So we have this interesting nuanced position in the middle where We do submit, and there are times when that submission means that we are involved with a government. That's the example we're using here, but you could fit that into many different other, maybe a corrupt corporation or whatever. There are times when these things happen, and they are not necessarily always in contradiction to God's will. And so, with that we need to be sure that we don't support or seek after 
these types of positions, but also that we don't make a blanket statement and say, anytime someone is in one of these positions, it's bad, it's wrong, it's evil, it's sinful, whatever, because neither one of those things are true. It's somewhere in the middle where we aren't to seek it. We aren't to go after it. We aren't to try to participate in it. On the contrary, Scripture says that we are to not have anything to do with it. What does light have to do with darkness? And there are you know, verse after verse after verse about staying away from corruption and immorality and these types of things. And so that's what we should do. But if we are in a position where authorities over us tell us something, command us in some way, what we are told to do is to submit, and that is as long as that doesn't contradict God or go against God. And Daniel will be the good example of this because Daniel uh, definitely fulfills that, where he runs into this situation where he does have to uh, be in rebellion against the governing authorities because they go against God. But until they go against God, he is perfectly submissive to the governing authorities and fills, fulfills his role the way that he should, uh, just as Joseph did. And so that is what we are to do. We are to submit. But our goal, God's ideal, what we should strive after, should be to not have anything to do with corrupt institutions, period. Whether that's a government or a corporation or um, a family or a group or who knows what, just don't have anything to do with them. Uh, that is, uh, I guess, uh, do not be entangled with them should be a better way of saying that. Uh, that would be the, posi uh, the position that I would say is biblical and that is in line with Yeshua's teachings. What he tells us to do is to be an example, to be salt and light. He does tell us we should eat with sinners. We should uh, befriend sinners to an extent. We should uh, talk to them. We should be an example to them. All of these things. We should interact with them, but we shouldn't be involved with them uh, in the sense of being yoked together, where uh, the two are bound as one and going in the same direction no matter what, whether the one or the other likes it or not. That is not something a Christian should do with an unbeliever or with somebody that is uh, participating in some form of corruption or darkness. And even, I would argue, a system that is full of corruption and darkness. You don't want to be yoked to that. However, to have some involvement, to have some influence, to have uh, some interaction with these things, uh, that is not necessarily something that a Christian should stay completely away from and not have anything to do with. I think we can participate to an extent, and we definitely should submit to the extent that it doesn't contradict God. I think a good way of saying this would be that a Christian— could, and I guess uh, could, of course, it could do, Christian can do whatever they want, <laughs> they have free will. But uh, let's say, according to uh, what we can back up scripturally and through God's principles, a Christian could have some involvement with the state. Let's say, have their kids in public school. Maybe there's a situation where that's just the way it needs to be. Uh, I would definitely recommend against that, but uh, that is not necessarily a sinful thing to do. Or a Christian uh, somehow having some influence over uh, uh, some sort of regulation in their local area. And they're making some regulation. They go to some local business owners. And let's say there's a Christian business owner. And he says, oh, well, you know, you should do XYZ or not do XYZ. And they have some influence over that regulation. Uh, that's not necessarily 
a contradiction to biblical principle. So a Christian somehow being involved in the governmental system, though corrupt and dark, is not necessarily sinful. If a Christian calls the police, or if they uh, in some way have some sort of government benefit that they are given, that's not necessarily sinful to participate in that way. However, a Christian should not be entangled with, be yoked to, uh, be a direct participant in the structure itself, basically be a politician. And that's what uh, the church fathers, the early church fathers said, is that a Christian should not wear the purple. They should not be a magistrate. Those are the words that they would use. And uh, I, I would agree with that. Again, unless it is uh, something that you would get out of this theology of obedience, that they are submitting to the governing authorities like Joseph did without going against God. Uh, that is the exception. But uh, the Christian should not seek those things. And the opposite is true. A non-believer can participate in things that the kingdom of God does. Let's say a church has a big outreach potluck, and a non-believer can come to that, or has a party, and a non-believer does that. We have a food club at a new church around me, basically, and uh, non-believers can participate in the food club. That's perfectly fine. Or if a church has some sort of sports league, and non-Christians participate in these things. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. However, a non-Christian should not be directly involved in the body uh, the church body, uh, the kingdom of God. They should not be a pastor. They should not be a deacon. They should not be in these roles at all. That's not what they should do. So those are the two uh, kingdoms that we have here, the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. And that people in the kingdom of man can have some interaction with people in the kingdom of God and with the kingdom of God itself. And people of the kingdom of God can have some interaction with the people of the kingdom of man and with the kingdom of man itself at times. But uh, they ultimately have one master, and that is who they are ultimately submissive to and supportive of, and that is it. It's only the one. So even though there might be some interaction that goes both ways— Ultimately, they're with one or the other, and that's just the way it is. So to bring all of this back around to this idea of a Christian being involved in a corrupt government, the goal should definitely be that they don't, that the Christian is involved in the kingdom of God. That is the ideal, and there is a structure to that. There is a hierarchy. There is the church, and that is where a Christian belongs, even though a Christian might have some interaction with the kingdom of man and in the kingdom of man and some connection there, uh, that is not a place that a Christian should seek to uh, put forth his efforts and resources and strengths and these kinds of things. Those should be put towards the kingdom of God. However, there are times when God puts people in certain positions and in certain places and in certain situations, and when that is done, so long as we are in line with Scripture— we, there are times when we obey uh, to the extent of being involved to one extent or another, when we submit to being involved with something that we normally would not and that we definitely would not seek after. So again, there is some nuance there, and that has to be respected. But again, 
you can't look at the story of Joseph and say, therefore, Christians should be politicians and they'll do good and God will bless them and we'll make the land a better place. That is also not true. So with that, I don't really have any more with this story. So I will leave it short with this episode. We'll go longer next time with Mosaic Law. There's definitely a lot more to go over there. And and then we will proceed on to the time of the judges. We'll go to the kings of Israel. Then we'll go to Daniel and Daniel's prophecy. I don't know if that'll be two separate episodes, probably, or maybe one. We'll see. Then God's use of nations. That's one where I'll read a bunch of scripture about that, some specific passages, and uh, talk about those. And then we can get into the next part of the study, which gets into more specific commentary, where we can read some a section of scripture and then actually do commentary and insights from that and go on from there. I think we'll mainly stick with the book of Matthew, and we'll at least start there with the Temptations of Christ and the Sermon on the Mount. So that's where we're going. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to reach out for, feel free to email me at ourfoundations at protonmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at foundationspc. You can support financially if that is something that you feel led to do. You can do so on Patreon is the main place to do that. And there is a link in the show notes for that. Or you can just search for Our Foundations on Patreon. I think it's patreon.com slash Our Foundations, if I remember right, at least. But definitely look in the show notes because I might not remember that correctly. So with that, I will say thank you, especially to those who are supporting the show financially and paying for this show to exist. Thank you very much. Thank you for those who have left a rating and a review. If you have not done so, please do so. That is extremely helpful. And just thank you for listening. That is the most helpful thing and the most basic thing that anyone can do. So thank you for being a listener. I hope you have enjoyed this. Please reach out if you have anything to say. And with that, I'm out. Peace. This has been our Foundations Podcast. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.